Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Every now and then it happens to me that I will be looking for something that I'm missing. And while I'm scrounging around looking for that thing, I stumble upon something else that I wasn't missing, but nonetheless is of great interest to me. Maybe that has happened to you a time or two. Happens to be a good bit. Looking for this, found that. This past week, I was looking for my notes on the book of Revelation, everyone's favorite book in here. I was looking for my class notes because the Wednesday Bible study at 9.30, they were beginning their study on the book of Revelation. And so I had taken a bunch of notes, not just in class, but I've taught Revelation a couple of times. And so I had this whole horde of notes about every character, every chapter, all of that good stuff. I could not find it anywhere. So during my search, I was looking back in my files, and the thing that I found that was of interest to me that I was not looking for were my old Ember Day letters. Ember Day letters are letters that when you are a seminarian, you write to the bishop to say, hey, bishop, here is what is going on in my life in my personal life, in my academic life. Let me talk about things you've learned, the courses you are taking, things that have happened at your field education where you're doing that work. It's a good way to to stay in touch with with the bishop. And so Ember Days, they occur occur four times each year, and they coincide with the, uh, the seasons. So the spring Ember Days, it's Ash Wednesday, and the Friday and Saturday after Ash Wednesday. The summer Ember Days are the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday after the day of Pentecost. The winter Ember Days are the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday after St. Lucy's Day, December 13th. And actually, Ember Days happened this past week for the fall installment of Ember Days. Because the fall installment happens after Holy Cross Day, the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. So this past week, seminarians should have written a letter to their bishop. A letter, if they're like Bishop Gray, an email, if they're like Bishop Sage. Again, a great way to stay in touch. And so it was interesting looking back at my Ember Day letters and seeing what was going on in my life. See what was studying, I was studying, see what events had occurred at the seminary, see what I was learning, just generally to see what the heck was going on in my life. So I came upon one of my fall Ember Day letters, dated September 18th, 2013. Eight years ago, let's see what was going on in the life of, let's see what was going on in the life of Will Compton eight years ago, yesterday. Bishop Gray. It was good to see you at the Commission on Ministry gathering in August at Grace Center. So I'd just been home. I'd just gone through the gauntlet of meeting with the Commission on Ministry. Being home and sharing the news of Sarah's pregnancy 
with family and friends alike was refreshing in a time of renewal for both of us. So John Owen was on the way, and we had just told all of our parents and friends and neighbors about the joyful news of his arrival. But it gets so much better. You can tell I'm a first-time father. Since Sarah and I saw you last, we have been back to the doctor a couple of times. At this point, all is well and healthy with the baby, although Sarah is still having morning sickness. And this next line is just unbelievable. I can't believe the bishop ordained me. Among the many things I've learned during this experience is that morning sickness does not necessitate sickness in the morning. But as in Sarah's case, can happen anytime and sometimes rather unexpectedly. I read this and I cringed. <laughs> you could tell I had no clue what was going on. I had no clue what I was doing eight years ago yesterday. That's the gift that letter writing gives us. I received a handwritten letter from my brother at one point, and it said, writing letters by hand is a dying art. Believe that to be true. When was the last time you wrote, not a thank you note, but a letter to someone and wrote it by hand? When was the last time you received a letter by hand? In fact, you probably have a special place that you have a bunch of letters that you have received over the years that have special meaning for you. So it's fun to take a look back at those letters to see what was going on in your life, to see what was going on in the life of the person who sent you that letter. That is the same thing that is true for Paul's letter. All of his letters that he wrote in the New Testament, all of his epistles, it's interesting to see what he was going through and what they were going through 2,000 years ago. Through his letters, we get a glimpse at their struggles, at the challenges that they faced. And we get that today, once again, with his writing to the church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was a church on the northern shore of the Aegean Sea, a bustling place. It was right there on a road that connected Rome in the west to its empire in the east. So a lot of activity going on at that time. Paul founded the church in Philippi around the year 50. And through his letter writing, we see that the Philippians, they were his favorite. We see that the church in Philippi was his favorite. He writes, like, he writes to them like he, unlike he does any other church. He writes joyfully and thankfully. In fact, we may even call Philippians a thank you note of sorts because those Philippians have sent to Paul, who was in prison, so we know what's going on in his life. He's in the pokey. They have sent to him a, uh, a gift. And so he mentions that in his letter to the Philippians. So we can sort of see that this is maybe a thank you note also. But it could be a farewell note. Paul doesn't know his fate yet. It will later be handed down. So yes, so we can see the challenges that the Philippians faced in that day. Paul, in what we read today in church, chapter 2 of Philippians 5 through 11, he writes about being in the same mind of Christ. He is trying to unify that church, trying to bring them together. He loves them dearly. It is his favorite church, but he knows that they are going through challenges and struggles. They are dealing with persecution. And so perhaps that has led to some division within the church there. So Paul is telling them, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. 
who though even he was all-powerful, was made low. He emptied himself. He poured himself out for our sake. And so that is what Paul is trying to tell them in the midst of their struggle, trying to rally them around Christ Jesus, trying to make them one mind, one heart, one soul, and one body for the gospel, for the goodness of the gospel in God's work in Philippi. Today is Holy Cross Day. As you can see, we are wearing red. It is Holy Cross Day because we are the chapel of the cross. It is our feast day. It happened on Tuesday, actually, but we move it to Sunday so that we can come together as a community, as people of the cross, to celebrate our feast day, Holy Cross Day. So what would a letter from Paul look like to the chapel of the cross in this day and age? I don't think it'd be much different. We too have division, who have differences of opinion in the ways that we should go about things, I think that Paul would probably say the same thing. Let the same mind that was in Jesus Christ be in you all. Though he was powerful, he emptied himself as a slave. Though he was high and lofty, he was condemned as a common criminal. God did not just become one of us to live our lives in breathe our air and walk our walk, to weep at the grave of a friend, to become angry at the money changers. God did not just become human to one of us, but God also became human to die for us, to empty himself out, to pour himself out. That word comes from Greek, kenosis, and it means emptying. Out. That is the work that Christ did upon the cross. He poured himself out for us and for our sins. Our God, high, lofty, powerful, all-knowing, emptied himself for you. What greater love is there? What other God has done that? None but our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, came to dwell as one of us, and to die is one of us. I think Paul would tell us that we need to be in the same mind. We need to pour ourselves out. We need to empty of ourselves for the betterment of other people. Use who we are and our resources, our status, to love others, to serve the poor, to lift up the lowly, to fill the hungry with good things. That is our calling as the chapel of the cross is people who follow the way of the cross. That is a question I leave with this parish. What can we do better? What would Paul write to us today? What can we do more of or less of? What can we do to empty ourselves out, to pour ourselves out for our brothers and sisters, not just here at the chapel of the cross, but in our community, in our nation, and in the world? God so loved us that he became one of us, emptied himself out for us. That is our calling and that is our sending. How do you do that? Amen.